Welcome to Lift Off with Energizing Results, the podcast that can help you become a better partner in your family and a self-propelled leader with inner certainty in your business. Now, here's your host, Uwe Dockhorn. Welcome to Lift Off with Energizing Results. Let me start with an invitation for you before we dive in. This is a safe and neutral space here. The more open and honest you answer the questions that will come up to yourself, the more effective this will be for you. Sound good? Okay, here we go. Today, I'm very excited to introduce you to my friend, Jonathan Bengal. Jonathan Bengal is a speaker, author, and entrepreneur shining the light to financial happiness. He has appeared on over a dozen shows and podcasts and hosts his own show on YouTube, Naked Tax Talk, where he bears down to the naked truth about personal, business, and money lives. He wrote his first book, The ABCs of Deductions, an entrepreneur's guide to tax write-offs in 2020, and became a number one Amazon bestseller and a number one best international author. For him, when business owners understand the foundation of deductions, they can take their companies to the next level. For the past 18 years, consultants and small business owners have hired him as their business profit tax coach because most fear overpaying in taxes. So he helps to guide them through the darkness of taxation and helps them to achieve financial happiness through his own proven method. Today, Jonathan inspires, ignites, and transforms people's lives through his own five-week program designed for the small business owner to prepare them for financial happiness. Welcome, Jonathan. I'm more than excited to have you here today. Thank you, Uwe. Thank you so much for having me on as a guest. This is fantastico. Yay. <laughs> let's dive into it. Yes. Yes, let's sure do it. So let's start with, um, why did you write your book, The ABCs of Deductions and Entrepreneur's Guide to Tax Write-Offs? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, we can get straight into the ABCs. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I wrote my book, The ABCs of Deductions. Uh, I actually... So this is a funny story. So about a year and a half ago, I was um, just entering into the world of speaking and marketing and all this other fun stuff that we consultants love to do. And um, I started realizing that I was being asked the same questions over and over and over again. And um, I thought, well, geez, you know, how do I convey these over uh, questions that come all the time into a situation where my clients or future clients or just people can just take the information and use it to their benefit? So I started writing out this course outline. And one of the courses I created was called the ABCs of deductions. And I realized that in the series of business ownership, that was something that every business owner, including myself, have to really understand. And so I went about and just was just an idea. And then in February of this year of 2020, um, I set aside some time and I cranked out this book, The ABCs of Deductions, An Entrepreneur's Guide to Tax Write-Offs, which basically I went through 26 letters of the alphabet. And um, for each letter is a deduction inside of it. And here's the thing, right? I wrote it because I realized that in order for business owners to be successful, regardless, in my opinion, of what country you really live in, but more importantly, the deductions. If we can understand the basic things that every government wants us to do and to be successful is to understand what they allow us to deduct inside of our business. And so here in the United States, we have a very amazing tax system that allows us to pretty much deduct a lot of things for the purpose of generating money, income, profits. And so in my book, I create a character. His name is Uncle Sam, also known as the IRS or our government, you could say. And I use him to tell the story of how each deduction is profound in our businesses. And again, I wrote this because I understood that if every business owner could understand the basic foundation of the things that they can write off in their business, then what that leads to is better business decisions inside of their business. And so what that means then 
is that I'm not just throwing my money out into the wind and hoping something works. It means that I'm throwing my money very strategically. And if I do choose to throw it into the wind, I at least know that Uncle Sam is going to help to subsidize, quote unquote. And what I mean by that is that we're going to write that off on our taxes so long as that it was related to the business for the purpose of creating money. So it does two things. It creates security. And more importantly, it allows us to take risks if we're business owners, knowing that we're not going to be fully out because we will be successful because most of us are successful. So with that, I decided that's it. People needed to at least read it and get a basic understanding. So that way we can make better decisions. We make better decisions, by the way, in our business. That translates into more money which means less taxes when you use someone like me, a proactive tax planner, a certified tax coach and a planner. And what then happens, and this is the most beautiful part about business ownership, and I think you and all your listeners would agree to, is that I get to take my excess profits. I bring it home to my family. So if I have a spouse, you know, if I have children or whatever, or maybe I'm single, then I give myself all of it, right? But what happens is something beautiful. We bring all that money into our family. And now we use those profits inside of our family. And we pay for things like we send our spouse, you know, for them to spend money on the things they enjoy, you know, be it like manicures or pedicures, or in my husband's case, he really enjoys, you know, playing his one video game that keeps launching new updates dates and a new price, right? <laughs> um, so it's whatever that we bring home or for us as a family, we love to travel. Like we travel at least two times a year to some country, right? So that's what we get to do with this extra profit. And then here's another thing. If we got children, we get to send them to private schools. Maybe we, instead of buying the Toyota Corolla, we decide that we're going to buy the Prius Primes like we did of my family last year, or we buy, you know, the Tundra, or we buy the, you know, the Teslas of the world or whatever. The point is, is that we all of a sudden get to spoil ourselves and live the lifestyle that for me especially could only dream about as a child. Mm. And so uh, with that, then what happens is I get more money in my bank account. And that means that I'm no longer worrying about how I pay for things. One of my friends said to me, Jonathan, what's it like to be you? And I asked him, I answered him very honestly. And I said, you know what it's like to be me? Somebody who created a multi six figure business, somebody who created his own talk show, somebody who wrote his own book that employs people, that brings people together. What that means is that I don't worry how to pay for things anymore. And that, my friend, is what I call the PFS effect. Mm. And that is the ability to no longer worry and therefore brings me financial happiness. Absolutely. Wow. That's so, so wonderful. I have two questions here. So first, first question is, um, what is your favorite letter in the, AB, in the ABCs? <laughs> okay. So uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to read my book, but uh, so the way I wrote it, is I took out all the legalese out of it, meaning, you know, section codes, publication codes, all of that jazz. And I boiled it down to the essence of the deduction. And so my most, my most memorable are either letter M for meals or letter A for advert for advertising. Mm. So, uh, and also Q for quick questions. So there's a whole <laughs> bunch in there, right? Like there's a lot of, there's a lot in there. So my favorite, We'll start with the letter M because when I was writing my book, my intention was just to write like, you know, M is for meals. And then what are your M deductions, right? Like that was as simple as I was going to make it quite mm -hmm. honestly. And I was, I was going to just do it like as a, a lead magnet. We all know that if we're in marketing, you know, a lead magnet. And, uh, and it, of course I sat down and started writing the letter A and realized that uh, when I got to letter M, I needed to expand on it because it was just too good and juicy. So here's a snippet. Um, I don't have my book pulled up in front of me at the moment, but I certainly can. And while I do that, Uwe, I'll let you know that my, my favorite letter is uh, letter A for advertising, because that's the one I tend to recite the most. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that, I say that A is for advertising. And Uncle Sam 
understands, and this is in my book, uh, not word for word, but my summarization of it, understands the fundamentals of the human experience. And what Uncle Sam realizes and understands is that every single living being needs to be seen and heard. And this is true in our businesses because he understands that even our businesses need to be seen and they need to be heard. Then he encourages us to get out there and tell the world that we exist. So he wants us to put things like signs and create Facebook ads and go to networking events, come on podcasts like here. You know, if you and I were going to do this in person, I would fly out to Germany and I'd see you for this peer episode. I would love to have you here. <laughs> you know that. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, stick around for a couple extra days, all on the government's dime, so to speak, because they're going to subsidize a lot of that. So he wants us to go out there. He wants us to be seen and heard. And the need to be seen and heard is the most basic human desire. And not only affects us personally, but also in our business. Because Uncle Sam sees your business, and I love this part of my book, as your child. He wants you to make sure that you're doing everything in your power to invest in having your child seen and heard. So I love how you, yeah, sorry, I, I love how you how you talk about this because it's really, you know, there are two sides of it. It's kind of like, of course, that there's the side of the, the government, you know, to be uh, loves that you, uh, a human being who wants to be seen and heard, of course. And there's also the personal development side. And I know uh, that you have a lot of that and we will dive into that in a little bit. So let me just give me the, give you the, the second follow-up question um, to your book. It's because, in, as you know, I'm part of the international community here and I would love to talk in, uh, well, in, in some, some, some weeks with you because I'm also have an LLC in the United States and I know many others in, in Europe that have the same. So what is the, your, your one advice to the international audience here? Well, so that's, I mean, that brought me chills, uh, obviously, because what that means is that you, as somebody who's a foreigner, is bringing revenue here to the United States, right? So if you're coming here to maintain that or vice versa, you're contributing to our economy as well as contributing to your economy, right? So that's a beautiful thing. So as a result, Uncle Sam, so if I was to write a second book, I suppose, Uncle Sam would say to you, Uwe, that he understands the human connection, not only at the uh, at the border level, but on the international level, right? And so because he understands that so much, he created along with cousin uh, Germany and cousin France and cousin Canada and all these other cousins that we have, he created agreements called tax treaties that were created, some that go back to the 1800s, some that are more recent so from the 1970s and so forth. And it's all designed so that each country receives the benefit of what their foreign agents are doing inside of each country. So what I mean by this is depending on the country, you will have uh, an agreement between the two countries that state things like this. Uh, for example, for my Canadian residents uh, or doing business in the United States, the, I the IRS, Uncle Sam and Auntie Canada have a really tight relationship. Makes mm. sense because we're right across the street, right? Mm -hmm. So the agreement is we had this, this thing called foreign income tax uh, exclusion, uh, foreign income tax credits, I'm sorry, and foreign income exclusions. Now that's important because here's what happens for a Canadian. A Canadian says, hey, I want some of that cheese. I'm, I'm, I'm joking, all my Canadian friends, you know, I'm joking with you guys, but they'll say, I want some of that cheese from, you know, from Minnesota. So they cross the border and they get some cheese, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and we want some of like, we want Canadian maple syrup, right? Cause that stuff is like freaking gold. Like it's delicious, right? I love it. So, so at the end of the day, we're like, we want something from each other, right? right. So what happens is Uncle Sam and Auntie Canada said, well, I'll tell you what kids, We'll, tell you, we'll do this for you. In the United States, Uncle Sam says, if you make, uh, I believe it's a hundred and five thousand if you're single gross, or two hundred and fifteen or two hundred fifty thousand if you're married filing jointly. And again, I apologize, I don't have the exact numbers. 
Um, but it's up, it's up there in the multi six figures. We'll just say that, right? So with the foreign exclusion limitations in place, so now that's that's important, right? We should have an idea. Uh, yeah, there it is. So uh, for 2020, it's $107,600 if you're single uh, or $215,200 if you're married. So that's important because what it's saying is, is that if I earn income in the United States up to $215,200 and I'm married, I can exclude that from ordinary income taxes. Mm -hmm. And I'm also going to receive something called a foreign tax credit. Now, here's the thing, right? And my understanding um, is you, I think it's a one or the other choice. It is. So here's the thing, right? Like, so I've got something called foreign income exclusion, meaning I still have to report it. But as long as I have a tax treaty between the two countries, the United States, let's say in Canada, I can exclude up to 215200 if I'm married or 107600 if I'm single. I can exclude that from mm -hmm. ordinary income tax, which has a rate of zero to 37.5% for 2020. Or I can take a sweeter deal and do something called a foreign tax credit which a tax credit is a dollar for dollar reduction in tax um, mm. for the same amount of dollar of income that I take uh, for both in the same year and in, in both and like for example, Canada charges me a hundred, you know, two hundred and thirty thousand dollars in taxes. So I will pay the two hundred thirty thousand dollar Canadian dollars to Canada, and as a result, I'm going to get a $230,000 tax credit in my U.S. income side of it. Mm. So there's like this duality of, mm -hmm. you know, one or the other, right? So I can't double dip. So Uncle Sam doesn't like double dipping. Mm. Um, he thinks it's kind of gross. You know, once you put the chip, <laughs> chip into the dip, you cannot put it back into the same dip. So he doesn't like that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's a foreboding, right? Like not allowed. Uh, so anyway, so the point about that is, is that when it comes to planning, which is what I'm, what I'm typically hired for really well, uh, is to look at those exact scenarios. And Uwe, you mentioned you had an LLC here in the United States. Hmm. And so I would be sitting with you and asking you questions like, where is it established? How often do you come to the United States? Because that also factors into these rules as well. You know, how much money is being generated while you're here during that time? Was it really for business? Was it really for pleasure? Like mm. it's kind of irrelevant for this purpose, but I digress. So we kind of like get to know why you're coming to the States. And then we have to do some research and then research what does the German tax law say in mm. relationship to the U.S. side of it. So what are the treaties? You know, what have the Germans agreed to do that the U.S. has agreed to do? And then we play with inside those rules. And as long as we play inside those rules, we find ourselves in a very, very amazing situation. Mm. That's fantastic. So I, I really love your passion, how passionate you are in, in talking about this. So it's kind of like uh, you can get the feeling of this is your little baby and uh, taking really good care of it. So I really appreciate that very much in you and also the, the deep knowledge around that. So that's highly appreciated, Jonathan. So I think that's also the the, the think many of, of these of these knowledges that you have is also the reason that you created your five-week program, Correct. right? So why did you create this five-week program? Uh, yeah, so why did I create it, right? Um, well, so the reason why is this. So um, as, sorry, I apologize, you know, part of the issue of talking and being in front of a computer these days is sometimes you get pinged and it, you know, and when you're ADD like me, your attention gets distracted, <laughs> uh, which makes for a great strategist, by the way, because you always need to be thinking like on your feet, right? Like we cannot get stale and keep the same direction going. I mean, eventually you've got to change course so that we can maximize your taxes. So um, the reason why I created my five-week course boils down to this. Every single being has a wish. Every single living being has a single wish. And that wish is to be happy. And 
what I realized is that every single entrepreneur in this world woke up and decided that I will no longer allow someone else to control my destiny, that mm. I'm going to control it. I'm going to control my legacy. I'm going to control the final outcome of my life. And so when we did that, we started our businesses. Now, whether or not that was consciously decided, this is what we do. Mm. And as a result, every single one of us were born with our natural talents, and our natural gifts that many of us have found a way to monetize. And so as a result, we bring forth our sense of happiness to the world. You know, kind of reminds me of like religious, of, of religion, you know, where you've got the Buddhas that come into the world to teach you how to be happy in the moment, or you have Jesus being sent by God to, you know, reinstate us and to fulfill with his holiness and so forth and so on. Or, or we have the various, you know, we have Zeus being sent to us with his lightning or Poseidon coming out of the waters to direct us towards the harbor correctly, right? So the point about it is that we've all been given this gift to achieve happiness. And more importantly, we've been given it. So what a better way than to bring forth our sense of happiness and to teach it to others, which is what I do through my seed method. And that's part of my five-week program. And so what I realized is that every single business owner has to first begin the seeding process of their business, right? They can't just be like, one day they wake up and boom, bada, bang, they have a multi-seven-figure business in their hands. Now, it happens maybe 1% of the time, but 99% of us, this is not true. This is mm. never the case. It's usually we're forming it, creating it, building it. So I get asked this question all the time. Jonathan, how do I separate myself from my business? I have no idea how to do that. Well, let me tell you, Uwe, if we cannot separate ourselves from our business on day one, it is equivalent to abusing your child, whether it's physical, emotional, you name it, it's the same equivalent. You're abusing your child. Mm. And if you had your own child and if you have children now, I ask you, would you allow someone to abuse your children, much less yourself? Right. And so- if we can understand that we can begin the separation of self from the business, I get asked this question too. I don't know what entity I should pick. Am I an LLC? And I'm talking in the United States now at this point. Sure. You know, am I a limited liability company? Am I an S corporation? Am I a C corporation? Am I a partnership? Am I a limited partnership? Am I a limited liability partnership? You know, the list goes on and on and on, right? Am I a trust? Am I an irrevocable trust? Like it just gets nuts. So these questions come up. And what I realized is that if we cannot decide that entity choice, we get into a mindset of stuckness. In fact, this is what you help people with is to overcome burnout. And that entity can create burnout because we are stuck Mm. And we cannot move forward. And so then we become afraid. We become fidgety. We become like, I can't move forward because I don't understand it, right? So that becomes a, a burden. And then what happens is we bite the bullet and we move forward without the separation and then without the entity. No, you're right. Last week, I, I was in, in, a, in a mastermind uh, with, uh, with my students. And, uh, you know, the, the same topic came up. It's kind of like the, the distinction between working in your business and also working on your business. So if you're only working in your business, you know, you, you get stuck much easier than, you know, you have to take yourself out of the equation and sometimes work on the business. As a result, you know, that triples down and uh, to, to your family also, to your family life and to your own whole being. So to make these distinctions between, you know, in the business and also when you go out of the door, you know, just leave it behind you and then you are personal in your personal life. So I think it's very important here. It is absolutely fundamental. It's fun to let your business grow and make some hard cash and then spend it personally down the road, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, so you're absolutely right, right? So it's the entity, it's the separation. Then what, as a result of people deciding to move forward mm -hmm. without those two things, then they end up in what I call deductionitis. They get sick from deductionitis. Mm -hmm. 
And what happens now is they, they, some, most people believe they can just write anything and everything off. And those are the most dangerous. So my key, my red flags go up when people say, I don't need you. I write everything off in my business. Mm-hmm. All I can see are two IRS enrolled agents. Sorry, they're not even called enrolled agents. IRS revenue officers, which are more dangerous. They have a badge like the police officers do. And all I can see is them knocking on your door with a pair of handcuffs ready to escort you and put you into jail for a fraud, tax evasion, and the whole entire list. And we're talking fines of a minimum of $250,000 per occurrence and a minimum of five years per occurrence imprisonment time. Mm-hmm. So the people who say, I just write everything off, uh, I can't help you at that point. That's a criminal, a criminal attorney and a tax attorney coming to rescue you at that point. But so that's what happens, right? <laughs> the other, the other person that suffers from uh, deductionitis is somebody who's afraid, uh, which is the most common. These are m- many taxpayers do this. They're so afraid of the $250,000 fine, which most don't even know that. They're afraid of the revenue officers appearing at their door that they don't even take the deductions that they're legally entitled to take. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, they pay more money to a government that doesn't want their money per se. And as a result, they have less money in their checking account. Their wives and their husbands are not having the lifestyle that they thought they would provide. Their children are having to unenroll from private universities and schools. And dare I say, go to public education like I came from. (laughs) Uh, You know, like this is the reality, right? And then the next thing that happens is what we call the audit. And this is where, you know, again, the government comes in and they audit you. And here's the thing. A lot of people think I'm audit proof. Like I will never be audited. Well, unfortunately, I've got news for everybody out there. And that is, is that the government audits. In fact, they have different types of audit techniques. And I want to say it's about five to seven different types. So sometimes it's just pure random. Sometimes it's because they omitted, you've omitted something from your income tax return that was reported. Sometimes it's because someone reported you and said that you were being criminal, right? That you were avoiding your taxes on purpose. Uh, sometimes it's what we call like market studies or case studies. So for example, at one point, I think it was like in 15 or 17 around there, uh, the government, the IRS decided to do an audit on lawyers. And what they concluded was that lawyers were not being very faithful and truthful about the income that they were creating. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, they changed the 1099. I'm gonna give you some legal jargon. The 1099, which is is the person who is receiving the income from the business as an independent contractor here in the United States receives a 1099. And so- What they said was the lawyers were not reporting said income. And so now the rules change. And now if we do business with an attorney, we have to report the income, even if it was a penny to the IRS. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they do it for market research. Sometimes they do it for census reasons. Like they're, you know, they want to know like different sectors of the economy. And so the reality is none of us are truly audit proof. Mm -hmm. However, my five-week program, I go through techniques to help to mitigate the damages of an audit. And in fact, you can prevail from them so long as you have the D in place. And that's what boils down. Wow, that's great, Jonathan. So before I ask Jonathan what made you the person that you are today, let me quickly say something to our audience. If you're enjoying the show so far, please rate and recommend us to someone you think could benefit from the show. Thank you in advance for spreading the word. So Jonathan, what made you the person that you are today? What made me the person that I am today is first I subscribed and gave you a rating to your podcast. <laughs> so if you've not done that, you better give Uwe a rating over here uh, and, and subscribe. And then uh, secondly, I became the person that I am because I was just born this way. I know that's cliche. Um, and it's a statement that maybe many of us have heard and never believed. But about 
uh, I'd say almost a, oh gosh, time just flies by. We're already almost October. Uh, so I, it's actually going to be my 40th birthday this week. So I'm super excited. Um, actually not really, but anywho, so <laughs> well, I'm on October too. So, you know, we, we are both Libra. So, we know. yeah. Oh yeah. See Libra power. So Absolutely. I, so I, I just really believe, I finally believe that I was born this way. And, and, and the reason why is because I remember as a young boy uh, who grew up in extreme poverty to a single mother, um, and a younger brother, and my mother would bring in, you know, $500 every month. And that's what we used to pay for the studio apartments that we sometimes lived in and the worst parts of neighborhoods. Uh, it's what my mom used to buy three staples of food, uh, beans, tortilla, uh, flour, and flour so she could make tortillas and, um, and beans and rice. And this is what our food consisted of. And if my mom had extra money, she would buy meat, you know, she'd buy like, you know, beef or chicken or something that might have been on sale. And, um, and then it also meant that like our clothing was always out of date. Uh, it was always five, 20 years behind schedule, or, you know, it was always hand me downs. Mm. Um, and, and so forth and so on. And it also meant that my access to things in life were severely limited. So I never really was able to attend uh, schools that were really well for like, for like what we call like affluent schools where they have access to higher educational techniques and tools. And there's just money and education go hand in hand. And I unfortunately was not privy to that, but yet a testimony that we don't necessarily need that so long as that we are born with internal motivation to never ever allow ourselves to go back to that. Now, here's the thing away. I should have been a statistic. Statistics say that for every child born into poverty, less than 5% actually get out of it. In theory, I should have had children like my brother, I should have uh, still been living in the ghetto. I should have, uh, I should be on federal assistance. I should be on food stamps. I should be on, you name it. Like these are the statistics that were put against me from the day that I was born. But my mother, ever since I can remember, would always say to me, that I was her little maestro, which is like Spanish for teacher. She would mm -hmm. always say, you're my little maestro. And when we would go to church, my mom always made us go to church on Sundays. And she'd say, you know, God has a calling for you. God has something special for you. Like you are supposed to do something special in your life and you're my teacher, right? She would say this to me all the time. And so when I would go through school, I was supposed to be a teacher. I would admire my educators. And uh, ultimately did not go into education because my really good friend of mine at the time that worked with money said, do you want to be poor your whole life? And it scared me to death. Hmm. And so I changed my major from uh, education to accounting. I received my bachelor's degree in accounting in 2005 and uh, set out to do what all good people do. And that is to form uh, a job. At the same time, I created my own little business called JB Financial. That's now my 17, 18 year old, something like that. And um, he's the one who pays for his daddy to go out there and do naked tax talk and <laughs> to do the book writing and all that stuff. So I gotta give credit to my teenager for doing that for me. And, um, and so I did that. And then would ultimately get burnout, which you again help people through, and uh, would find myself changing my major to education. I mean, to education, yes. Mm -hmm. And I received my master's in secondary education in 2010 and would find my husband of my life, the dream of my life that I wrote about when I was 17 in my journal. And lo and behold, he was presented to me by universe. And we've been together now, uh, I think it's coming up to 12 years. Wow. Mm -hmm. 10 years around there, something like that. It's up there in the teens now. And as a result, I taught. I was forced out for being a gay man in the classroom and um, ultimately found myself back into my business 100%. And as a result, I took my company from a struggling, you know, barely making 30, 40,000 a year, working Monday through Monday during tax season from January through April 15th to now a multi six figure company with hours that are now more manageable, like four or five hours a day, and uh, still making multi six figures. And I have employees that work for me. So have I always been this way? 
Yes, Uwe, since the age of 12 years old, when I met my very first violin tutor. So I begged my mother for a violin. Now, mind you, I had no concept of money. And I didn't realize that we were poor yet. I had not quite grasped the reality of our life. And so my mother had said that she needed a lot of time to save up. And one day from school, I came home and there it was, mm. a violin on the couch. Now, here's the problem. I didn't know how to play it. My mother didn't know how to play it. And my school didn't offer orchestra. So I asked my mother if I could hire a violin tutor. And my mother had said, yes, go look it up. So I opened up the yellow pages, it dates us both. <laughs> I opened up the yellow pages and I found Lisa Sundival's name. And I called her up and I asked her if she would be willing to come and give me a lesson and her prices. And she said, yes, it's $45 a lesson for an hour. And so I hung up the phone and I told my mom it was $45. She gave me exactly three months. She said to give her three months so she could save up the $45. Mm. And so three months went by and my mother uh, said I could now bring Lisa on board. And so she came over. And as she says as well, the moment she walked into our studio apartment with the dingy brown carpets and the walls that were never painted and, you know, the black dark cabinets with the yellow sink tops, you know, all of that, she would have walked in and realized there is no way in hell that this family could afford lessons every time. So we went forward with the lesson. I learned how to uh, identify the four strings and hold it up correctly. And with that, before the lesson was over, I used my God-given talent. And I said to her, now, mind you, at this time, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just speaking. Mm. And I said to her, do you have a backyard? And she said, yes, I do. And I said, do you have a dog? She says, yes, I have two of them. And I said, would you be willing to let me clean your backyard in exchange for violin lessons? Mm. And she said, yes. Hmm. And so, and you can say that at the age of 12 years old, I acquired my first client hmm. and I traded my talent for something that I've always wanted. And that was to play the violin. So next thing you know it, I rode my bike two miles, about four, about four. Uh, yeah, it's about six kilometers uh, for my, for my non-Americans out there. So about six kilometers. I rode my bike every Wednesday to her house, mm. cleaned her yard, took my violin lesson, and then rode back home six kilometers, two miles, um, four, sorry, six kilometers round trip um, back to my mother's, back to my mom's house, right? So this was, this was my life. And I did that for two and a half years. Mm. And so what's interesting is that I brought that skill with me all the way through my business in 2017. I traded out for my graphics, my graphic strategist that I work with now, my branding strategist that I work with now, um, my bots and my everything else that I can think of. All of it started with me trading as a small business owner. And now that I'm in the financial position to pay for things, now I actually share the resources with those that are working with me. And we've migrated away from trading into full on paying for each other's services. What a wonderful story. And uh, Jonathan, thank you for sharing. This is really a moving story. And this is, you know, going back to, to these kinds of stories, you know, that they form you, they create you and, you know, and sometimes you just live your life. And then at a certain point, you just turn around and you look back and then you suddenly see these patterns in, in your life and why you are who you are today and uh, what came along on, on this uh, on this journey and so thank you for sharing um, this beautiful uh, story Jonathan my pleasure obviously your life looks differently today and I want to ask you uh, quickly how did this influence your family life oh. so um, unfortunately when I was 12 years old and I had discovered that I was gay 
And uh, the, in essence, what happened is I was watching, uh, I had stayed home, I called in sick, I played hooky from school. <laughs> hmm. And uh, I was watching an episode from Ricky Lake, who here in the United States was his talk show host. And she had an episode, I think it was something like my boyfriend cheated on me or something like that. And um, she brings out these guys and she's asking them about, you know, their boyfriends cheating on them and whatnot. And I still quite not, I'm still not connecting these two dots together. Like somehow it's just not connecting. And she says, let's meet, let's meet their boyfriends. And all of a sudden these hot guys, of course, you know, come out and I'm not quite figuring out that they're hot. I'm just like, these are weird feelings, you know? So they come out and they sit down and I see them kiss and then I see at the bottom, the, 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 the subtitle comes up and says something like, you know, so-and-so and their, and their boyfriend. And it's in that moment that I'm real, oh, they're a gay lover. And I remember like all of a sudden identifying with my sexuality in that moment. Mm. And it was like skyrocketing science, you know what I mean? Like it was like a catalyst. And for people who say, that was awesome. Now, it was for about 5, 10, 15 seconds, and then utter shame overcame me, mm. so much so that I realized that in that moment, the love that my mother had for me would quickly fade. The love of my family that had for me would also fade. You know, my friends around me, if they found out, I would no longer have friends. And I mean, like, the one friend I had in middle school um, so all of a sudden it was like you re the reality of discovering your gayness now becomes the one number one thing that you're most ashamed of being. Mm. And so I do what every, every gay person does. And when they first find out and where every person goes when they don't want to be seen and heard, and that is the closet. So I repressed my feelings, my emotions, and I went into the closet, constantly denying myself, praying every night that God would take this away from me, that, you know, that God would transform my life and I wouldn't be gay anymore and that this was a sin and that I didn't want to burn in hell for eternity because this is what I was told my whole life, right? Like, I did not want to be ashamed to my family. I, I didn't want to dishonor them. Like, the amount of pressure was out of this world. And I'll give you this in context. My mother was one of 15 children born in Texas. She was the first generation American, Mexican American. And my family had children for the purpose of picking, uh, picking uh, crops. So my mom's job was to pick cotton at the age, um, at the age I think she started working in the fields at like eight or nine years old. If she was not working in the fields, then she was required to do house chores and, and raising and helping to support and raise 14 of her other brothers and sisters. My mom was one of the oldest uh, of the kids. Um, all of my family members to some degree worked picking uh, sugarcane, corn, cotton, and other types of vegetables that you and I get to partake of and enjoy every day. And so their education was stunted between fifth and sixth grade if they were lucky. I think I had an aunt that made it to like eighth or ninth grade. And so I was the youngest slash the oldest of the cousins. I think now we're up to over 130 cousins of mine that I have access to. <laughs> and I happen to be the first that graduated from high school, the first that managed to get a, master, a bachelor's degree, the first to get a master's. So I've set a lot of precedents for my cousins and my aunts, but it took them time to come around. But first it starts with the sexuality. Mm. So my mom, uh, you know, she wanted the best for me, but like I said, you know, she, she came from her, her, her own rough upbringing. And so uh, I would go on denying who I was and praying fervently to take this sin away. And uh, at the age of 14, when I went to high school, there was a boy that was there. And he was out and proud and he scared the shit out of me. Hmm. And uh, because like all gay people, we have this in-tune gaydar that really exists. I think all of us have it. And he knew I was gay just from just from looking at me. Hell, I, everyone knew I was gay from just looking at me and the way I carried myself. Um, I just didn't think I was. Hey, girl. Hey. And um, and so um 
he managed to confront me one day after orchestra. We were in the green room and I saw him in there and I had already a little bit of a mini crush on him. And uh, he makes a beeline to me. And I remember trying to escape and walking backwards slowly, but not obviously. And as I hit the back of the wall, my whole body presses up against it. And I'm fumbling around looking for like the doorknob, hoping to open it before I can get any closer and I can escape. And that would not be the case. He uh, got really close to me, stood right in front of me. And uh, him being who he is, he had said, you know, I, I think you're really cute. And um, I would love to like, you know, date you or something sometime or whatever. And I just like fluttered and I got scared and all kinds of emotions. And all of a sudden, like two magnets being drawn to each other, I found my mouth and my head unexplicitly leaning forward. And before you know it, I start kissing him. And I'll tell you, Uwe, after kissing a couple of girls before this incident, which felt like ooey, gooey, wet, slobbiness all over my mouth, this felt like heaven. It felt like ecstasy. It felt like the right thing I was supposed to be doing. It felt like I was fully and truly being who I was supposed to be. And I'll never forget that feeling. In my hands, they got all sweaty. My, my stomach turned to butterflies. And before you know it, I was embracing my, my, what would become my boyfriend, Ricky. Mm. And the result was this. He had said, I want to be your boyfriend, but you have to come out. Well, Uwe, like every good gay boy does, I burnt down that damn door with a flame. And I came out as flaming as one can be as a gay boy <laughs> and accepted the fact that I was queer and embraced it. And so it would cause four years of turmoil. I would be spit on at random in the hallways. I would be pushed into the lockers at random. I was even beat up after school and in the locker rooms during PE. So I went through a lot. I still bear the scars, the physical scars on my shoulders of being beat up. But, you know, I never backed down and I kept on owning who I was. And mm. what I discovered is that when I created the very first Gay Straight Alliance in Arizona in 1997, is that when we truly embrace ourselves for who we are, whether it's we're a badass CEO of our companies, whether it's we have shitty financials like many of us do, because trust me, we all, we're all thinking this, but I'm telling you here now, friends, everyone has shitty financials until they come talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but we start to embrace the reality of who we are in all mm. of its glory, in all of its not so glorious moments. No, I love this. Yeah. Yeah, what I discovered is that there's no words and there's no actions that stops you from feeling, fulfilling your life's purpose. And this happened. I was asked to represent my high school and I was asked to, to uh, represent them at this thing called Arizona Boys State, which is an organization that teaches young men how to be politics, the, the how-tos behind it. And so I went to represent my high school, one of 600 boys. And we went to one of the universities here in, and at the time it was at NAU, Northern Arizona University. And the day that I'm picked up on this huge ass bus, I'm surrounded by all these other boys being transported and they go, they revert to what quote unquote boys do, quote unquote. And that is, you know, sit down faggot, shut up, you queer, you know, oh, that's so gay. And when they started talking like this, guess what happened to me? I went back into the closet where nobody can be seen and heard because I was afraid of being beat up on a bus. I was afraid of dying in the middle of nowhere. So I just kept it to myself. Well, when I got to the university and we checked into our dorms, there was a newspaper already written by my peers. And I opened it up. And as I flipped through the pages, I come to the op-ed area and lo and behold, an article, gays should not be allowed to run for office. Mm. And it felt like a knife that hit me in the heart. And I thought to myself, what the hell? So I actually wrote a counter op-ed 
to their argument. And this would go on for an entire week where I was writing the counter argument to what they were saying. Now, mind you, nobody knows who I am at the time. I'm just spilling it out there. On a Friday evening, the last day, they had this thing called open mic where students could get up there and they could say or do or whatever they want from up on stage. So some kids showed off their talents, some kids talked about their future, and some kids continue to drive home that homosexuals are sinners and that they're going to hell and that they should not run for office and they're a blasphemy to us. Now, sitting in the back of the auditorium, something which now I realized is just spirit propels me up and out of my seat. And I walked down the aisle, seeing the aisles pass me by in darkness. And as I approached the stage, I climbed the stairs and I could see all of them looking up at me. 1,200 eyes, 600 heads, all looking up at me with the bright light shining on me. And I guess you could say, this is where my speaking career started. And I grabbed the microphone and I stood there and I uttered these words. Hi, I'm Jonathan Bengal, that faggot, that queer, that homo. And I will not remain silent anymore. And the crowd erupted like a balloon losing its air. <gasps> Just like for the whole reverberation of the entire crowd. And you were born. And so I was born. Right. And what was crazy, they cheered, they clapped. Woohoo, you got balls, man. You're amazing. <laughs> and mic drop, right? And I got off the stage. And that's when I realized exactly what I just said a few seconds ago. When we step into the power of who we are, hmm. nothing, no words, no actions can stop us from fulfilling our life's purpose. I love it. We talked a lot about this. Uh, we had uh, earlier conversations. Uh, and as you know, I always tell my clients, you know, and given the quote from Mark Twain, the two most important days in your life are the day when you're born and the day you find out why. So, and this is such a moment, such a moment of importance to really step into your true identity and you understand why you're here. And uh, your example is, is really kind of like makes, makes, inspires people. And that is what uh, I, I was saying at the beginning. You ignite, you have that fire inside of you. You have that certainty I'm always talking about. And it's so important to come from this place of certainty so you can be absolutely confident automatically and just be you. And coming up and... Um, Figuring out who you are is one of the most important things that even adults sometimes uh, don't have. And that's also where I come help my clients and help the families also, the partners separately from each other. So they step into their own personal development, then bring it back together. Yes. So as you know, Jonathan, I help my family clients to catapult their self-esteem before they start their second or even third business. And essentially, you know, it's it's so important because so many new online businesses are created right now during COVID. So yes. there's a real boom in that. So what is one valuable free action that a family can implement that will help them with their new business or the next business? I think the first, the first step, um, the first step is to uh, truly consider and, uh, you know, in, in Buddhism, we say meditate. And a lot of us quite don't understand what that means. I think a lot of us think that it means sitting in silence and, and, uh, and, and trying to stop the mind from thinking. But the reality is, is that meditation is actually the active contemplation on a singular subject or an object. And so what I would encourage the listeners uh, is, is that if you're driving or if you're just kind of washing your dishes or you're playing in your business or something like that, take some time to really truly think about how you can begin the process to separate yourself from your business. So for example, step number one, 
go out there and open up a damn checking account in the name of your business and, <laughs> and start transferring all of the income that's coming in into that checking account. Um, the second thing is, is you really want to truly think about, depending on your country, asking the questions, which entity type makes the most sense for you for protection and for tax purposes, because every country has the same philosophy, whether it's written differently, it's a whole other ball game, but the philosophy is the same, which is every government for the most part understands that every single one of us is taking a risk. And how do I know this? Because je parle français. Donc, uh, je commence, je commencera une restaurant en, dans, uh, en sud de France. Et c'est un restaurant américain pour manger de nature et de, de, de cuisine américaine. So, because of that, because I want to form my own restaurant in southern France, I actually looked it up. How do I actually create an entity there? Mm. And so, what I realized is that each government wants two things to protect us as entrepreneurs and to make sure that we're making money and to benefit from it and to make money. And so that's what I would ask is what is my entity choice? If you're a foreigner and you're doing in the United States, you want to also contemplate and ask yourself, well, which is the best entity? Because here's some, here's a little surprise for you, Uwe. If more than one person doing business with you in the United States and you're a foreigner, um, you're going to be very restricted to the types of entity structures you can create, both from a legal and, and a, a tax perspective. And so if some business who think they know it all come in and they violate these rules, there goes your status, there goes your protection, and then there goes your whole entire tax deductions that you thought you were entitled to take. So those are the two things. And if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like maybe this is an opportunity to invite the listeners to get a copy of my book. Am I correct? Absolutely. I was just <laughs> wanting to, to, to refer to that. It's, I think it's, it's important. And uh, your knowledge and your professionalism is, uh, is uh, ex uh, astounding. And so therefore, we will leave all the, the details about how to get in touch with you and uh, to get more information about starting that in the show description, of course, but also please share what um, about your book. Yeah, absolutely. So this is what I would do. Um, and I believe I'll, I'll, I think I'm going to give you the I'm going to give you the link away. You could put it in the description yes. of the show. Um, but what I'm offering is in this book uh, right now, it's at Amazon. So if you go to Amazon, you just type in the ABCs of deductions. You can buy it straight from Amazon, $3.47. And it's a Kindle edition. Um, we're working on the paperback edition, which I'm super excited for. And it's going to sell for $9.99. But for your listeners, should they be listening to the end of today's conversation, mm -hmm. I would love to reward them and to gift them my book for absolutely free. I'd love to gift it to them. And here's why. Because I fundamentally believe that every business owner has their own sense of happiness, like I said earlier in the show. And what a great way than to have you tap into that and remove one of your own fears, which is what can I deduct? If we can remove one barrier and Uwe, you teach this, we can help you to overcome that fear and that objection and that um, downfall that we created inside of ourselves, right? The stuckness and overcome it. So we do that through my book, The ABCs of Deductions. It's been sold in Canada, Mexico, the Philippines, Europe, the UK, here in the United States. Again, it's it's been written in a generalized form. So you cannot take it for specific tax advice, but it will help you to get your engine started so that by the time you come and engage with someone like me, you've got a lot of the basics under your belt. And then uh, inside of this that I'm going to offer for my ABCs of deductions, I'm going to also invite everyone to check out my five-week course that we're launching October 15th. Right now, it is redonkulous, Uwe, redonkulous. Mm. So right now, um, it's 1997 for the five-week course. We are 
offering it. We're offering scholarships right now. Uh, and I got to do the math real fast because I kind of forget what the number is because it's so brand new. Uh, we, that's what I thought. We're offering $1,700 in scholarships to women and LGBTQ entrepreneurs who want to take advantage of my five-week course. Wow, thank you, Jonathan. So generous of you. And, uh, you know, just I have to mention it, uh, just listening to the sound in the background from, from you, <laughs> it's kind of like when you have a picture in mind of, of, uh, of your accountant, you, you hear the sound of him talking. <laughs> You know what? You I just gave me an idea. Yes. So wait, let me translate that into money. Let me see. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. You just you just did it. So I now have my my goosebump shower. So and this is also my question to all my uh, my guests: Is when was the last time you experienced goosebumps and why? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I literally just felt them uh, earlier with you when you had said that you um, had an LLC here in the United States. And, and it gave me goosebumps because um, what I love about it is that a lot of us can be very stuck in where we can do our business. And it gave me goosebumps because uh, I'm going to tell the world right now, but now I look at you, Uwe, and I go, Okay, how can I help you? Because now that you have a business in the United States, you technically have reporting to the IRS. Well, I happen to be an IRS enrolled agent. And so as a result, I have been uh, licensed by the Internal Revenue Service, meaning I've taken three grueling exams to memorize over uh, six, 700 uh, books worth of tax law from business taxation and individual taxation, the list goes on. And realizing that I can be a service to you, that kind of turned me on a little bit because that's the thing. I, I can work with you, but so long as you're doing business in the United States. And that turned me on. So I guess why I got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so I told you, I, I would get in touch with you soon. So therefore... And I, I, I was holding back, you know, because we know for quite a while, so, but I was holding it back. So for the right moment, I think that was the right moment. <laughs> it was definitely the right moment. And it's also, it also is a further testimony that, you know, if, cause this is who I work with. I work with coaches, consultants, digital marketers, basically online businesses, essentially. And the reality is, is uh, when we're in this model, there are no barriers, right? Borders become an irrelevant thing unless we're creating revenue in different borders. And then now you got to hire people like us. And, uh, and so the reality is this is so cool because it's inspiring for me because here I hear a man, Uwe, who's a German, who has a business in the United States. And that further uh, got me excited because I'm like, that's it. Like, I'm going to launch my restaurant in France and I'm going to do it. The question is when, but if there's anything I know about universe is that when we make wishes, even if they're subtle wishes, they all come true. So true. Absolutely. Thank you, Jonathan. Before we wrap up with your final words, I want to ask you, what's the one question that I should have asked you that would give great value to our audience? Oh man, you know, it's interesting. So I, I'm terrible at these types of platforms. Like I, in fact, I'm speaking right now at 11 o'clock on another gentleman's summit for real estate. And um, of course they ask us, you know, what kind of questions do you want them to ask you? And I struggle with this because it's, I don't know what I don't know. Just like I'm, I assume most of us don't know what we don't know type of thing. Um, <laughs> that's all good. You gave so much value today. So that's all good. Johnson. Yeah. So, I mean, what question you could ask me about? No, I think we covered it all. I mean, okay, great. Actually, I think I told you a lot of stories. I covered my trading story. I told you about my coming out story. <laughs> no, we covered a lot. So, thank you for for really sharing and being so open, my friend. So, this is really helpful for for my audience and also for the families and uh, at home. Thank you. Sure. So, final words to our audience. Final words is this. We find financial happiness when we begin to look at ourselves 
and accept ourselves for who we are. If we're currently struggling right now as a small business owner, then we just look to ourselves and say, it's okay. I accept you for struggling. I accept you for having not the right systems. I accept you for having, you know, what books? <laughs> I accept you for you in all of its entirety because here's what we both know to be true. And here's what your soul knows to be true is that you are beyond all of that shame and all of that guilt. And that's the thing when we begin to accept ourselves, babies, everything begins to open up and pureness starts to enter our lives. And from that is when we begin to accelerate ourselves to the next level. And here's what I know to be true. When we focus on ourselves and invest in ourselves by hiring our coaches and our business coaches and our sales coaches and our transformational coaches and the like, it's all geared towards the business. Because when your business increases, it's only increasing because of the self. And last but not least, as a result of your business increases, your money increases. Your taxes go down when working with a certified tax planner like me. And as a result, we achieve something called financial happiness. Very inspiring. We will leave all the details in the show description where you can get in touch with Jonathan, of course. Thank you, Jonathan, for, you, for our conversation. It's uh, always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Next week... You will meet Teresa Alish. Teresa went from stage three cancer to life after coach. She helps survivors challenge the new normal cancer gave them and rebuild their mental, physical, and emotional health with the life after cancer blueprint. Thank you for listening. And as always, energizing results to you and your loved ones. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on Apple Podcast, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at uve.corn.com.